0: Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 25, act one. Jason Doss, Find Your Way, recorded October 23rd, 2019 in New York City.
1: A T plus B The one-size-fits-all prudent all screaming about irrevocability Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches And fight our own way free Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply To people like you and me Let's start it up now 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 Let's up now.
2: Hey, hey, TA listeners. Y'all, this is the last episode series of season three, thus ending 2019. Thanks for listening. And remember to tell your peeps about teaching artistry. They can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever folks listen to podcasts. New episodes every month. Also, let's all follow the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We want to thank you for helping us to basically double our plays in 2019. Y'all, that's how we grow our community. And we're so very happy you're a part of ours. Pop those earbuds in. As I said, this is the last episode series of 2019, thus ending season three I am super proud of the conversations, the partnerships, the live events that we've had this year. And we have so much more in store for you for season four, starting in January 2020, (laughs) y'all. We're on a journey here, people. And as the field grows and stretches, so will the Teaching Artistry Podcast. Ah, to that end, we have a real treat this month. Through our partnership with Blick Art Materials, we learned about an urban sketching group. Outreach manager Pataiano introduced me to Jason Daz, who is a visual artist and educator. Um, yeah, he was actually sketching as I walked up to to meet him on a street corner the night of this interview. Um, so yeah, I like to keep us on our toes and because of his artistic abilities we chose to conduct the interview in an ideal art making environment check out episode 25 act 1 jason daz find your way
3: jason hi hi <laughs> what you doing i am sketching in washington square park In the dark. And I I think sketching in the dark is always interesting because it's never dark in New York City. That's true. So you just have to figure out what what can I see, what can I not see but I know what it is anyway and do I want to lean on that little bit of imagination or not. And so it's a really good set of problem solving. And I'm just really happy that it's like late October and still nice enough to be sitting out here in the evening. I'm going to
2: say I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. I'm really impressed that you're able to talk to
3: me and do what you're doing can you explain what you're doing right now so i'm sketching in my sketchbook which by the way costs let me i think it's important to talk about materials a dollar 25 at muji um and you do not have to spend a lot of money i've done great sketches on like the back of a flyer with a free pen or pencil from somewhere Mm -hmm. it's much more about how you channel your experience of being somewhere, and then on a technical level, just your, your drawing skills and your seeing skills. Um, there are fancy materials, and I have some. And in fact, I'm using a marginally fancy, this is a bent nib fountain pen. Mm-hmm. And I got into these a few years ago. It's a metal nib like a fountain pen would typically have, but because it's bent, you get a variety of line types and widths out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit more like working with a brush um and I like it a lot and I'm using I have to say the fancy thing I'm using is the platinum carbon ink that's in it which came in a in a bottle from Japan on a very slow boat um and the great thing it is it is very very black very dark Mm -hmm. and it's waterproof and I like that because I also add watercolors to my sketches uh
2: okay (laughs) so uh I just oh That's not good. Um, just dropped my phone. Okay. So I'm going to describe where we are as you continue to sketch. Um, we are in Washington square park. Oh, you dropped things too. See, this is, this is live. Live. Uh, (laughs) we're in Washington square park. Um, it's a, it is a very beautiful late, um, or early autumn, late October evening. It's a Wednesday. Um, uh, we met and we walked down, and I learned a little bit more about you. And um, the whole point of this is that I get to see this is very rare because I'm getting to see you make art as we are talking, and I very rarely get that opportunity. Um, oh, there's helicopters. What fun. Um, so I'm not a visual artist, uh, and I'm meeting visual artists through our partnership with Blick Art Materials and Pata. Yana, who's our um, main contact there, just said, "Hey, you know, I think you should talk to this person who does really interesting work." Um, and and she called it urban sketching. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk can about you? that. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to you want to tell us what that is, or is that what you call it?
3: Yeah. Well, it's it is one name for it. Mm-hmm. So urban sketching is a, a movement of people who. Do this kind of work meaning they document the world around them in sketches in and sketchbook mm-hmm. now people have been doing that for hundreds of years so and the urban sketching word has been around for a little over 10 years um and i know that because i know the person who came up with it gabby campanario who's in seattle um he started a little group on flickr called urban sketchers mm-hmm. and he we knew each other from from online because we did this kind of work uh just drawing drawing what you see sharing it with people sort of just documenting the real world in, in in real-time sketches, so not doing studio art based on your sketches, but just sharing the sketches themselves. Right. And it really took off. There were a lot of artists who were either already doing it or were ready to, to do it, and then a lot of members of the public who were interested in it. So... We started doing an annual symposium event, we started doing a blog, we started a nonprofit organization that I was very involved in for, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all going, but you, know, ultimately it's really about the movement. Um, it's, it's this idea that you can go through the world with sketchbook in your pocket and, and then share those with people. And it, it's, it's a way of having something to do. And also having something to share in terms of the pictures we make on mm-hmm. location. And where do, you, where do you share your work? Is yeah. it solely on digital or? Good question. It's mostly on Instagram these days. Um, it used to be on Flickr. I had a personal blog for many years. I may again, but like I said, mostly Instagram these days. I'm at Floodfish on there if anybody wants to. Give a follow, and also looking up the Urban Sketchers hashtag or that Urban Sketchers account or UrbanSketchers.org for like the sort of more official side of it is well worth doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a New York City chapter as well, um, but I know a lot of those folks, but I don't actually meet up with them that often. Not not because I wouldn't like to, it's just schedules. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're all we're all doing this together. I follow people online who they're in other countries. They don't even use an alphabet, I understand, let alone a language, I understand. But I understand their sketches, mm. right? I know what a cafe looks like in their town. I know what the buildings, the cars, the people, the activities, the children, all of that. And yeah, you could get the same thing from photos, but there's something about it being translated into sketchwork that is, mm. I, I find, amazing. And I think that there's actually something, you know, so far it's kind of not really art with a capital A. But I think there is something really significant about a movement of people all over the world documenting the real world and sharing their experience, mm-hmm. and that that actually does become something of a political action, um, even if you're not overtly documenting something with a point of view. Mm. It, it becomes that. So, so what are you sketching right now? I am sketching, well this is another thing about, about uh, sketching, so I'm just seeing what's literally in front of me. Right. We sat down. I picked this spot to sit because it looked like a nice place to sit, honestly. I was like, I'll find something to draw wherever I know. I
2: did give you a director. I was like, you just go with your artistic impulses and I'll follow. And you're like, it's dark, so we're going somewhere where it's light.
3: (laughs) And it's still, you know, I could work a little darker, but this is fine. Mm -hmm. But I know, I'll find something to sketch anywhere. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my sketches happen in those weird in-between times. Mm -hmm. When I first got into doing this, it was things like being in a, a waiting room or somebody's late, um, waiting for the bus, like sketches like that. Right. So it's not where I chose to go for the most scenic thing. Mm. It's where I was with a sketchbook. And that's gotcha. kind of what this is too. This was a convenient place in time for us to meet. It's not, Oh, what's the most interesting thing you could draw for me? Right. Gotcha. Um, but to me it kind of, then it is the most interesting thing I can draw for you. I don't always as an artist have a lot of ideas or concepts. So setting up a situation to improvise my way through, to problem solve my way through—that's actually kind of how the work happens a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and that's what we're doing here, right? Or what I'm doing with the, with the sketchbook. I <laughs> oh, would I should be, sorry, oh. I just thought of something else. Yeah, because you asked what I'm drawing. The subject of the sketch is a man sitting on a bench. Right. Now, he got up and left about... I know. That's what my O was. Like, oh, he's gone. So, some of this is subconscious. (laughs) Actually, as I teach Mm -hmm. more, I've gotten better at being able to notice and explain things in my own work. Yeah. But I drew him first because he's the most likely to change. The trees aren't going anywhere. The buildings aren't going anywhere. The light's not going to change dramatically. You know, it's not like it's the golden hour and the light's going to change in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So start with the thing that's sort of most precious in that regard mm. um so in that case it w- this case it was it was the man who mm-hmm. was sitting there um now i can put in the light and the background around him and a little bit of him i'm, I'm coloring him in now yeah. from memory but there's not much to it um so that kind of strategizing about what's going to change in your scene and what do you what do you really need mm. and how do you simplify that's that's fun to talk about. You know, too.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I would like to go into that because I the, the connection that I can make to that idea mm-hmm. or that concept is um, improvisation, theatrical. You know uh, that, and I guess maybe in jazz too. Right. You sort of there is technique behind it. Some people just think, oh, you just need to be funny, right? But there is um, there is a strategy. There is a thought process that goes be, be, beyond or behind the scenes that like somewhat is invisible. Um, but those of us who study it actually understand and then make, you know, I guess maybe more stylized choices and based on our own abilities. Um, but that I, I love that idea of some, like what's the most, what's the variable thing that could change very quickly and get to get to that first that's interesting to me Absolutely. I don't I need to think of a little bit more about that and again to try and like translate it for myself um, can I ask w- w- what's your background in terms of like where did you grow up did you did you grow up sketching did you grow up learning
3: visual arts I grew up learning visual arts but kind of the same way a lot of people do I mean in school and, and every little kid draws like you find a four-year-old mm. give them some crayons they know what to do yeah so and I would say I was encouraged at some point, you know, in a f- whatever elementary school age. It was like, oh, Jason's a little better at this than the other kids. Let's, you know, and I did go to some, you know, weekend like Saturday morning. So, so I was I was in Pittsburgh as a little kid, but like I went to these classes at the Pittsburgh Art Museum, and I mean, there's similar things here in New York. Yeah. Um, and it was good. I. You know, but again, and th- there was just kind of this recognition. And I do have this vague memory of being in, like, third grade and selling some drawings to other students, which was like... Oh. But then, like, I didn't do anything like that again How for 20 years or something. <laughs> like, I remember being on the school bus and, like, drawing robots, and, like, I was apparently really good at shading, and that impressed the other seven-year-olds or whatever. Um, but that, that was not a thread <laughs> I picked up again for a long time. Uh-huh. Um, so I did it, but I think i was definitely raised in a family where you were supposed to have a real job my my parents you know they both went to law school and Mm -hmm. like you know it wasn't literally like you must be a doctor or a lawyer but it it wasn't if if you were going to be an artist that was going to mean something really serious and structured too Mm. which so and and as i got older you realized okay there's a lot of artists who are better than me too right i mean i think a lot of people have this experience you might be the best kid on your school bus but like that does not mean much once you get to the bigger world mm-hmm. anyway i always, I kept making art and that was always encouraged i mean by my family whatever mm-hmm. school art classes um when i was 10 i moved to philadelphia i mean i, w- I would say this the philadelphia public school art program at the time uh was not much to get excited about <laughs> so that didn't help mm-hmm. um and i think also it's like you know, kids' art, it's like you you make a mask, you do ceramics, you make a mobile, like, it's all that. And I think that's great. I think that gets lost. I think we're we're told to specialize. Mm. And by sort of high school level, people are like, well, I do realistic illustration, or I do whatever the case might be. And, And certainly at a college level, there's a lot of that. And then there's all the people who just go into art as a conceptual conceit, which I have no problem with. But it's a very different thing from the sort of old school... Just skills-based stuff. Right. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm sideways from your question. Um, point being, I was someone who was always good at art and maybe got a little recognition for it, but did not put it first in my what do I do all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, at some point, that started to bug me, and it, there was a little bit of a like walking into a coffee shop and seeing the art on the walls and being like, this stuff's not good. I could do better. (laughs) I could do better. And then, and seeing communities like the indie comics community I love. It's very, you know, people who are not traditionally skilled can do well because their work has something to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a low barrier of entry in terms of cost and access, unlike say the gallery world where I don't even think anyone should bother. I mean. That's just weird, um, like, amusements for rich people, as far as I can tell. Um, But recognizing, oh, these people making their indie comics, these are cool. I could do that. This coffee shop, our paintings on the wall, I could do those better. And then being like, but you don't. (laughs) <laughs> you're not doing anything <laughs> right. and then deciding and here's the thing this is to circle back to the observational sketching observational sketching is what got me to actually m- really make work again especially as a, as an adult mm. um and i think it helped that i didn't have to have a huge concept i didn't have to have a novel length graphic novel the concept that i was really going to execute i didn't have to have a really clever idea for a series of paintings I didn't have to have a crazy sculpture studio or printmaking or, you know, any of these things that were... No, you just need a pen and a piece of paper? Okay. Mm. Um, and the rest is just doing it. And and again, I'm, I'm glad I got into it before I had a smartphone, because now I just sit on the train and play video games, but I used to sit there and draw. <laughs> um, right. And anyway, so, and now I found, I do make comics, mm-hmm. and they're very informed by my observational work. Oh. Um, and... I do, I mean, I'm also, I'm a musician. I mean, I think this idea that art is, and, and that I'm getting more into performance and theater work, mm-hmm. not as a primary, but realizing it's kind of all the same thing. Yeah. And what I'm doing right now is improv. How does that relate to musical improv, to, to writing on the spot, mm-hmm. to theater improv, certainly, and I guess to comedy improv, which unfortunately has kind of stolen the word improv away from everybody else, I feel like. Right. Um, right. Even though I feel like it's, Goals are maybe least attached to uh, art in the in the way I think of it. Not that there's anything wrong with just having a good time. Um, so
2: it, it sounds like it sounds like you yeah. um, as an artist, you you do have a lot of different um, uh, directions or pathways that you can travel down and back, and that they actually sometimes
3: cross over each other. Is that fair to say? That's very fair to say. And Great. and the more I get into it, the more. The more I notice them crossing over, I'm very wary of intentionally making them cross over. Mm. Um, And I think especially. Wait, I'm I'm sorry. Can I pause you for a second?
2: Yeah.
3: How? Wait, is there water in that tool? Yes. Yes. This is a. It's a what they call a water brush. Um, There's a few. There's a bunch of different brands now. This is a Pentel, which is the one I like best these days. Uh. But. yeah, it's, so I can do watercolor on the subway, on the airplane, um, just standing so cool. on a busy street corner, and it's very different. I also do and teach sort of like proper watercolor technique, where you need a real brush and real mm-hmm. watercolor paper that does not cost a buck twenty-five emoji, and that's great. Um, but it's different, and I think it's, you know, it's a difference maybe between playing in a concert hall and playing on a street corner. But right. I'm glad we have both of those in the world. Definitely. Um, so. Yeah. Th- so this is a is a water brush, and it just allows very very portable use of of watercolor. I'm just
2: gonna again describe what you're doing. I I think you were making a point of completely taking off task, but <clears throat> so you have this sketchbook. You have a uh, what kind of clip is that? What is that?
3: I think just it's like, called a bulldog clip. Yeah, it's but like
2: you could a, use a binder clip. Binder like clip. Stables. That's yeah. sort of your your steadying. Um, of the two pages, uh, open or like an easel almost.
3: What's that? Is it in a little bit of a handle? And a
2: ha- yeah, a yeah. handle. So oh. you have a, a sturdiness um, in order to create as you're sketching and or um, water watercoloring. <laughs> um And then you've got your little pouch full of your tools, um, and then you've got what is that? To me, that looks like a card case. What is that? Oh, like your palette. Pow- yeah. The-
3: so it, it is a business card case, uh, also from Muji, but it, it might have cost. We are supposed $8 to be promoting
2: Blick art materials, by right. the way. Okay,
3: so the water brush, the Pentel water brush, you can get those at Blick. Beautiful. Um, and I'm just joking. No, 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 no. But the Uniball Signo white gel pen. Mm-hmm. Let's see, is that the full name? But the, the white gel pens are another thing. We're like. There's a bunch of them out there. Mm-hmm. Uniball Signal, in my experience, is, is the best. Okay. None of these people pay me anything. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I do occasionally receive supplies for free, but that I don't sounds. pick my favorites based on that. Uh, basically, I have a giant bins full of supplies I will never use at home. Um, maybe I'll switch to some stuff you can buy at Blick, but here's the thing. You can buy a lot of good art supplies mm-hmm. at a stationery store, um, or at a drugstore, or something like that, right. or a Muji, like a general purpose whatever store. Um, Uh-oh. we lost the pilot. I'm losing my pants. Okay. And here's the other thing. (laughs) All right, yes, I got a business card case at Muji and turned it into a watercolor case. You cannot get watercolor paints there. Or if you can, I bet they're not worth your money. Okay. So these paints, you might want to go to a store such as Dick Blick. Mm -hmm. And for watercolors, I've really come to enjoy Daniel Smith brand and Core brand, QOR. I haven't tried all the brands. So I'm not saying they're the, the best in all. You're not but
2: endorsing, necessarily. Not, a, not at
3: all, but they're two, two that have been good for me. Mm-hmm. And they are more expensive and they're higher quality, but you get a lot more out of them. Mm-hmm. They're concentrated. So you can actually get a lot more mileage out of them. Um, and it could be that if you did sort of the amount of painting you can do from the tube, that mm-hmm. they're actually cheaper. I wouldn't, I mean, I, I can't say that with authority, but right. a lot of cheaper art supplies, it's just filler right oh. and the high end stuff is really concentrated and intense same with the carbon ink that I'm using it's just so much blacker than some of the other ones right. which you put those next to it and they look gray and washed out so, and, and I, know, yeah. I
2: did notice that with the, the carbon ink pen is, it, is that what it's called um, that once you had already sort of done some water color yeah. painting um, you were still able to sketch on top of that which I would imagine if maybe the, the quality wasn't as strong maybe you'd get that gray. I'm I'm really asking. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you, so do you, you mean be able if to... I go
3: and put, and put ink on top of where the watercolor was? Yes. I mean, uh...
2: I... I see it. I feel like it's, it's come through very strongly. Good.
3: Yeah, no, it, well, also that you can put the watercolor on top of it and it mm-hmm. still looks black under it. Yes. Right, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not loo- using the best language. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, also, a lot of this stuff... Here's the thing. Really established traditions have really established... Um, jargon and right. lingo some of this urban sketching stuff we're just making it up as we go along mm. and we're using i'm using a mix of materials that are not intended to be used together um and i like that about it yeah um it's i mean you could say the same about some types of art in, in other fields but some, some types of performance sometimes of music they're not strictly within one tradition so either you mm. invent a whole new language or sometimes you Make up words and hope people know what you mean, right? Cool. And I, I'm okay with that.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, so, I, so <laughs> the th- these are the things that I'm learning uh, in 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 the course of talking to visual artists such as yourself. Is materials are important? They are also personal.
3: Yes. Material. Well, and I think those are actually maybe the same thing. Oh. Um. Mm. Right. Yes. So. But I would say that nobody should let their materials budget stop them from making art. Mm. I don't, I haven't. I do have some nice stuff, and, and I like it. I also have some very expensive stuff that I think is not very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for a fact that I can, and any artist worth their salt, can make good work with cheaper free materials. I, I really believe that. Mm. Um, there may be exceptions in, in like really narrow fields. But, um, the art I'm interested in, it's, it doesn't depend on, on the materials being great. Mm. Um.
2: um, I heard you say that you, when you teach, you teach with, um, you know, other kinds of watercolor, you teach watercolor techniques, not with Ye- this right, lovely right. little pen that you can, that's portable. Uh, where do you teach and what are some of the, um, I guess, topics or, um, art, are art, areas that you
3: Yeah, at a few um art centers around the city mostly. I also I do private lessons by the way if anybody's into that. Ooh. I'm going to do a sidebar on that cuz I've been thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I think for something like music, people are like, "Oh, of course, of course I'm taking saxophone lessons, voice lessons, whatever." Mm-hmm. Um and for something like visual art, we don't think of it as a real thing. Like little kids don't grow up, they grow up with their piano lessons, not with their mm-hmm. painting lessons mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having taught in group context and privately there is definitely something to be said for private lessons and that i think if if you are trying to make something happen in in the skills side of your visual art making finding someone and you know paying or trading with them to get what they can offer you is something to consider and Mm. and i've just been wondering like why don't we have a model for that because I can, the feedback I can give someone directly when I'm just working with them is Mm -hmm. different than what happens in a class. Classes are great, too. Um, And wait, there was a part of your question. Yeah. That was a sidebar. Um, Uh, Where do you teach? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a a lot of my classes. Oh, my God. um, My art, (laughs) art, uh, visual arts teaching for adults these days. um, There's an art center in in Brooklyn, Shoestring. Uh, Shoestring Studio and it's a a print shop where I teach a lot Um, That's the main place where you could just like go and sign up for a class. I Mm -hmm. do workshops for the urban sketchers organization Do some of the private lessons. I do some things as a sort of teaching artist in the schools through Abrams Art Center and Mm -hmm. in the past through various other organizations probably in the future through various other organizations (laughs) Um, and I also teach um, in the journalism department at the New School, um, which is maybe too much of a sidebar to go on to right now. No, nothing of a sidebar. No, bar. but again, I think there's, there's overlap in yeah. terms of um, and actually sketch journalism is super cool and super interesting. Is it art? Is it journalism? I, I who cares? Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's really cool. And actually, G- Gabi, who started Urban Sketchers, he mm-hmm. has a sketch news column in the Seattle Times. Oh. Um, Seattle sketcher which is I mean it's a it's a rare model someone being able to pull that off but it's really really good and really cool um, and with teaching I found when people want to be there it's great um, unfortunately with children a lot of times it turns into a kind of child-minding babysitting type situation mm-hmm. parents sign kids up for stuff that doesn't mean the kids really understand why they're there or want right. to be there mm-hmm. um, Adults who are paying their own money, not that there's never issues, but there's a different kind of motivation there's going a choice on. there
2: like i'm making a choice to spend my money to be in this place to learn this yes, thing yeah. yes,
3: but then what they want to get out of it can really vary mm. um, and i I try to be as, as a teacher to be very sensitive to that. I think I'm not trying to make anyone draw or paint like me. I want to help them get to where they want to be yeah. and I, with my experience and guidance, hopefully I can make that path work better for them than they could on their own mm-hmm. um but each student's path is different and I, th- I think that's important to acknowledge i'm not trying to churn out people in a in a tradition or in a technique um except to the degree that that's what they're going well, for anyway it it
2: sounds like to me um we you know we just met we've only had you know we talked on the phone once um but it sounds like to me that y- you are interested in like individuation and um, personal style and um, being able to support that I think is really lovely actually
3: yeah I know I I agree I think and when I think about I don't know the music I love or something Mm -hmm. it's like it's not they don't all sound the same Mm. you know Um, and that's a good thing Um, same with 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 theater or something I mean you want to we want to appreciate that performer's version of it. Um, I mean, I guess there's certain ensemble, like a, an orchestra or a big dance troupe, you, you kind of want people to disappear into it. I don't know that there's a visual arts equivalent to that, at least that I can think of off mm-hmm. the top of my head. I'm sure they're pro- probably in some like well-organized communist society there is, but like, <laughs> um, you know, no, I mean, you are, you, you should make the work you're most interested in and it, it almost breaks my heart I feel like this especially teenagers will do this just it's not even fan art it's just copies of, of other people's art almost and that's fine as a learning tool mm-hmm. but it's not your work mm. um, if I transcribe a Charlie Parker solo to play on a musical instrument I'm not taking credit for that as my art right. that's me learning technique from another from another artist um, and mm. I think in visual arts that's important to think about, like, how, what does it mean to do this your way? Um, and to, once you have your way of doing it, one, it's a good feeling as an artist, too. Um, mm-hmm. And and then we're kind of, we're working, literally working without a script. Um, I think a lot of musicians or, or actors or whatever, um, much of their work will be somebody else's ideas that they're executing. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Visual artists, that's, that's, less true unless it's just like an out-and-out commercial client job Um, but when you're making art we kind of have to come up with the ideas and the execution and for me that's where again I think just look around you you don't you don't have to you don't have to dig too deep to find something to work with and if there's something you know you're interested in the idea that you can go and document is very powerful so if you are really into a specific community a specific cause or issue a specific um activity in the world go document if you're into skateboarding go draw skateboarders Mm -hmm. um if you're into dock workers go draw dock workers these are weird examples but like (laughs) if you're into food go draw food i know a lot of people do that actually if you're into, you know, a specific social justice movement, document it in sketches. Right. Right? It's...
2: Well, you said... I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what? You're just... by when you said social justice, that you said that it can be... This work can be quite political. Could you expound on that? Right.
3: So there's there's really direct examples. Actually, the Hong Kong sketchers, I don't quite know what they're up to mm. right now in this moment. Um, I actually have a little bit of a sense they may be keeping it quiet on purpose. Mm. It's, it's like a lot of people in Hong Kong now are kind of like... I don't know what I could say in public, right. you know, um, but they—they they actually published a book, the Hong Kong Urban Sketchers chapter about the Yellow Umbrella movements in 2014. I don't remember exactly when it was. Um, I don't know what that is. But it was a big political protest movement there, and they drew it, and then all these people's sketches are in a book, and it is very different than a book of photos would be or right. a book of, of essays. Um, And similarly, uh, people have documented, it could be as simple as a building that's going to be torn down um, that, you know, you disagree with, right? Like this sort of urban Mm -hmm. preservation. Mm -hmm. A lot of my work, actually, I like drag an easel out to strange corners in Brooklyn. And I've realized I've made a lot of paintings of places that don't exist anymore because where there's a good view, meaning you can see for some distance. That's because there's a building missing or there's been a vacant lot for a while. And in the current economy, those are all getting filled in. So, and also just being in that space, being out there as a a painter, as someone who's making art in neighborhoods that are not typically, don't get a lot of that. Mm. The conversations I have with people, just what me occupying that space as an artist creates. Right. That's a kind of activism i mean it 's a very light light duty activism, but there 's something sure. to it when a, if you go do it at the botanic garden that doesn 't happen right that people yeah. expect it there um, but when you go do it in Brownsville, it does happen and i 'm not saying this to build myself up or anything like i 'm doing it because I thought the view was interesting and because mm-hmm. I like to explore the neighborhoods but um, something does happen by doing making art in real time in public um, and then multiply that by hundreds of thousands of people all around the world and it's, it's kind of a free speech thing almost mm. um or a freedom of expression that when you see how people eat how people get around what public transit is like in other cities um what a cafe at night is like in different cities. It's mm. like, and seeing it for real, not seeing like, oh, it's just Paris all over, over and over again, but it's really all over right. the world. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really interesting form of, of just cross-cultural exchange and communication, mm. um, even when there is literally no agenda other than just, oh, I hanging out and sketching. Mm-hmm. But when everybody hangs it out and sketches and shares it, something happens. Yeah yeah and and have you traveled
2: I mean you talk about Hong Kong like how are you learning about the
3: international communities right well so some of it is just um, t- I'm traveling on, on the internet uh-huh. right um, yes. <laughs> but no I have traveled a fair bit and actually through my work with with urban sketchers and I'm I mean I feel very very lucky in this regard mm-hmm. um, not that I didn't work for it, but still um, especially when I was more involved with the organization um, so planning but both running the nonprofit organization and planning the, the Global Symposium events, um, mm. I got, I mean, they weren't free trips. I was working hard, right. but I did get to travel to, to Brazil, to Europe a few times, to Singapore. Um, and those, those trips have been um, you know amazing. And it's nice to have sketching it when you travel, even if whatever reason you're traveling, being able to sketch is, is a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, although I want to remind people you can mm-hmm. always, get, uh, you can always sketch at <laughs> home, too. Um, some people only...
2: Hold only please. sketch <laughs> when they travel. <laughs> yeah.
3: And um, that confuses me. Oh, interesting. It's, it's like... I've noticed this, too. Like, people will take pictures of strangers when they travel. They'll be like, oh, look at these interesting people in the marketplace. It's like, well, what about the interesting people in the supermarket at home? Mm-mm. You know they're there, but you don't take pictures of them. What what's going on there? So that's an interesting thing to me. Yeah. Um, so this idea that something has to be exotic to be interesting, I don't I don't believe that. That said, I also love that New York, the whole world is here. Yeah. Uh, you, you 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 will find the exotic in New York, or it will find you. Mm. Um, and
2: you know, it's you funny know. when um, when Pata first said urban sketchers to me in my. Head, I just thought, oh, they, they, these are people who, um, you know, mostly are landscapes, like cityscapes, mm-hmm. and but what I hear, I think I hear you saying is that like, you know, anything could be interesting—a park bench or a person on a park bench, uh, you know, well, using I what we're especially what you're a doing right now. A but it bench. could be that sort of like a just a quiet moment could be interesting, um, yeah. and and it could be with people or not. Um, but there is something I think that I don't know there's something interesting about what you just said about the exotic like trying to create like the most opportune space and then sketching that whether it's from a picture or live Um, but what you seem to be creating here at least in this space where we are now is you know this this person on a bench or two people on a bench or this you know just the this lovely um, scene of trees and autumn and the background of a library (laughs) or a big old building you know what I mean like uh, I'm curious if anything over there is interesting to you like for me I'm very drawn to water I'm not I'm not a sketcher but if I were to sketch I might like what I've been seeing maybe because it's in my view but also because I'm I am in general you said you know let's start drawing things that make you excited or yes. that you're passionate about and water is something that is really interesting to me um, I'm drawn to it as a cancer moon child uh, <laughs> but I love fountains I love the ocean I love lakes um, and so if I were to do this like this visual to me of the fountain with the two um, I think those are dorms over there but those two buildings um, are that, that would be interesting for me to draw if I were in any way skilled or inclined. You
3: you absolutely could do this if you want to. I want to put that out there. Uh And I think another thing I love about the urban sketchers movement is very seasoned professionals Mm -hmm. sit down next to total newcomer amateurs Uh. and it works because they can all sit around Washington square park together and draw what they see. Yeah. Um, And you know, maybe advice is offered, maybe not, but the fact that you can be there together making the work Mm. Is is very true And it actually works It's one of the least Competitive art scenes I've ever encountered And mm. I think that's Helped me stay Believing in it Right um, But no The main reason I'm not drawing The fountain right now Is I would sound like this On the thing right. I'm pretty sure This doesn't work For the podcast I don't know um, Maybe not <laughs> Find out in post Good point I'm back now So right. yes I'm, I'm intentionally <laughs> Facing one direction here And the fountain is uh, To my back um, Yeah But I think it's also I enjoy this challenge Too of I don't have the best view. What can I do anyway? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think actually the biggest danger, I mean, you sort of brought up this idea of drawing the, the almost mundane life, mm. and I do, I do like that in, in my work and other people's. I think the worst thing people do in the name of urban sketching is they just go and draw the famous building. So they'll go and they'll right. sit in the plaza in front of the cathedral and they'll draw the cathedral. And that sketch could have been made any time in the past 800 years. Mm -hmm. And that is, if that's what you want to make as a sketcher, of course you should. But you are not communicating anything about time and place and the world we live in when you do that. Um, So the the Washington Square (sighs) Arch also, it's like, you show me the people around it, the traffic around it. Now Mm -hmm. I know what it's like in October of 2019. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is when it gets... Interesting. Gotcha. Similarly, if you if you draw people, but all you draw is their noses, like that could be a great art project. But you're not telling me about the world today. Hmm.
2: Hmm. Yeah. That I find. Ooh. So okay, I'm gonna ask you a question. This is this is real random, I think. Um. I, have you ever gone on an artist retreat? Like a place where you not just know with that
3: name. What I said not not that was called an artist retreat, but maybe if you yeah describe it.
2: Well, uh, uh, have you ever gone away to make art where like that was your job for two, three, four, or five weeks or something like that, where you were just given all the the space to make. No. Is that something that's interesting to you?
3: If by job you mean get paid, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, if I'm just buying myself a vacation to do that, that's fine. And I guess I have done that, but yeah. that's that's a little different. Okay. And then I have done again these Urban Sketchers trips, but then I've been teaching or organizing right. or um, you know, it becomes about kind of the organizational community and not just about me doing my work. Right. And that is a difference. And okay. I, I've thought about yeah, um I feel like I to do it for myself, I would need a project in mind mm. that felt worthy of the the expense if you will yeah um trying to think because here's the thing i can i don't i mean i have a room in my apartment that kind of is my studio but i don't actually work there that much because i can work here on the park bench yeah (laughs) right so i've had trips where the best artwork i make was on the airplane to it um not in the beautiful beach where i was going to right so so that's not. I
2: mean, because I, 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 I um, You said something about like how galleries. That's not interesting to you. Um, oh, please, you
3: know, go, galleries. Call me. I'm, a, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm happy to talk.
2: Um, and and then uh, so anyway, that that question about the Rutu is my own. Like I'm struggling. It's something that's in my life right now. So I, <laughs> but I have a different question for you, yeah. or, or a different thing to say. Yeah. Uh, I just met somebody recently, um, who. I, I don't actually know what she would call herself, but she matches clients with an artist. Mm. So a client might say the, the client could be a real estate agent mm-hmm. who is staging um, you know, a home and is trying to make a piece or get a piece made that would make something cohesive in terms of a space, right? Or there's somebody who uh, they are trying to curate something, uh, you know, an event or something, and they want to have some materials or some pieces that, could be appropriate either to be auctioned or I'm making this all up but um, it sounded yeah, really interesting sense. that like yeah. the the idea was that the person the client had an idea in mind and she is the person who pairs them up with somebody who wants to collaborate mm-hmm. to create something mm-hmm. new have you heard of this kind of
3: no I mean I've definitely done client jobs yeah. um, I, I've never had an agent um, I've got friends who are sort of I guess professional illustrators first and right. some of them work with agencies and some of that works out great for them some it, some it doesn't mm. um that this is kind of an agent for more one-off projects yeah that's interesting yeah no i think all of that is interesting i think there's a little bit of a dilemma on my part when i think that art is something everybody can and should do and that making it is good for us and that's very different from making a living from it. Right. So what I'm doing here and now with the sketching on the park bench, there is no commercial plan to that, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't mean it couldn't lead to something. And I think, and there's also not sort of a artistic it, intent in terms of like an artist. There's no artist statement here other than what we've just talked right. about. Like, I'm, it's, a, it's a nice thing to do when I'm sitting on a park bench. Right. That actually... Uh, Honestly, is enough to me, but I have come to understand that that's not enough to a lot of other people. Um, And that said, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I work for a living. Like, if somebody wants to set me up with a project that fits my skill set, and I do it and get paid, I think that's great. Um, Rarely, in my experience, does that map exactly to what I would be doing myself anyway. Gotcha. Um, There are. Do you want those worlds to come closer? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I I don't. I think I don't want to lose the. I can just yeah. sit anywhere by myself and make whatever I feel like. Mm-hmm. But I but I also am not worried about losing that. I'm not going to lose that ever. Know. Yeah. Right. And and I want to say, everybody listening right now, you can do that too. <laughs> right? Like whatever is stopping you from making art right now, it should not be what is. What am I going to do with the art? Or what's somebody else going to think of the art? Um, no, just making it to make it. There's. I think it's the bread and puppet theater they have a great manifesto that everybody can Google, but like one of the artists art is like food. It's like, okay, yes. Not everybody who cooks is a professional chef. Mm-hmm. Certainly not everybody who eats is <laughs> a food professional in any capacity, right. right? So if we need art to live and if anyone can make it and we all should, um, that that's where kind of I'm coming from in my heart. That said, mm-hmm. I, as a professional, like, yeah, a, I think I'm good at this, and if people want to pay me to do it because there's a good match between what they need and what I can do, no problem with that. I, mm. I absolutely do that. Um, artist retreats are a mixed bag because some of them, to me, are just, you're just paying the money. I mean, you you could just go rent an Airbnb somewhere and make art. Right. What's the difference? And some of them definitely are, are more than that. Right. But some of them, to me, do seem like kind of just... I don't know, hipster guest house or something. And and it's fine. Spend your money, enjoy your time, make your art Mm -hmm. by all means. But um, I think the idea of a residency where either the artists get paid to be there or where there's a very definite educational or a sort of career expanding aspect for the artist where you can work with masters in your field or something uh, for real. And then it's a little bit like grad school. But it doesn't last as long. and It's not as expensive, right. and that's good too. We all, as an educator, I also like to be educated. You know, yeah. Um, so if you think of a artist retreat as kind of a continuing ed, if you will, mm. I think that part of it's great. And um, you know, just like with with work, I mean, there's there's no art so pure that like it c- can't be bought or sold. I think that's I think that's one thing the sort of gallery art and museum art movement has shown us now. I mean, Mm. they can package anything. Yeah. So it's not about what the work is, it's about what you want to be within that world. So can you say that one more time? Yeah. I liked it. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'll say these same words, but Mm -hmm. what I mean, (laughs) I feel like some art has gotten so conceptual Mm. that and the language around it and the marketing around it has has caught up with that Mm. um somebody can sit alone in a room and call it art somebody can put a piece of bread on the floor and call it art and i have Mm -hmm. no problem with that Mm -hmm. and they have found a way to both monetize that in the and and like officialize it in the non-profit sphere and in the like for profit collector sphere Mm -hmm. um you know between the, the big moma type museums and and the big galleries I don't know though how much any of that has to do with art in the sense of what it means to me. I like to go to those places, but I like to go see like Avengers movies too. I mean, it's not, but it feels very divorced from just we can all sit on a park bench together Mm -hmm. and knit, make up a song, make a sketch, Mm -hmm. um, bring some musical instruments and and just improvise together, um, sit around and write write a funny scene. Mm right why why is improv comedy that's in the comedy club? I think it'll be at least a hundred years before that's a MoMA, but it might happen. I think hmm. they'll get there
2: interesting uh, so uh, you know, like I said, I'm not a visual artist, and um listening to you talk that i I hadn't really thought about the dis- i hadn't really thought about the distinction between this idea of like artist for everyone, make art to make art don't you know worry about where it's going or what it's for necessarily and the the idea of not having to have a concept before you start making is real like (laughs) mind-blowing frankly (laughs) to me um and and uh you know, oh, I, I say that because uh, I do make new theater and I usually have some sort of provocation or stimulus or image or s- something that is, is driving me to make something. Does it um, ever wander
3: away from that, though? Like you start with one thing and then yeah, you uh, Oh, else?
2: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that
3: might be all I'm talking about. Okay. okay. Because all I mean is you can just start with what's in front of you. Yeah, I see. Right, and then based on your skills and your interests and your proclivities and whatever random things that happen mm. in your making process, it's going to go where it's going to go.
2: Right. Totally. Totally. Um, I guess where I was going to, to though, just to go back to yeah. the fact that I, I'm truly learning about visual art making in terms of processes, in terms of approaches, uh, materials, that kind of thing. I um, And then you, you said the, the cathedral, so I'm going to... <laughs> Paris for a second so the last time I was in Paris I went to uh, the Picasso Museum mm. and I'm I'm like you know I'm, I'm like I like Picasso I don't know a ton about him but I, I <laughs> the, the more
3: you know the less you'll like him <laughs>
2: exactly but I I was intrigued because I'm, I'm not gonna get the name of the, his, his friend correct but the there was an exhibit um, of his art and this other person's art so big I'm sorry um, he was not French and he, he his skull I liked his sculptures mm. better than Picasso's um, but anyway there was this room this like weird alcove room off of the, a main hallway that had these huge paintings of both of theirs mm. on one wall and then and then when you turned around, like you had to like like shimmy into the room and then it sort of opened up. And then so the first thing you saw was the big painting or like panels of paintings. But then you turn around and you saw the sketches. And I, I gotta tell you, I didn't even know that this was a thing that like you sketch and then you paint. <laughs> Were, were that was kind of a
3: mind-blowing moment for somebody like me. These were from we? observation, or they were like made-up abstractions, or
2: no, they were like sketches of what the painting was.
3: But were they of I don't know models or a town or a beach, or they were just like well, shapes. Well,
2: f- for Picasso, it was it was mostly, uh, if I recall correctly, it was like uh, some self-portrait stuffy okay. stuff and other like weird cubist stuff um like shapes and stuff like that um because the
3: reason i'm asking is i feel like a planning sketch as just like a you know on a design level Mm. or an abstract level it's a good thing to do before any big project just like you might write an outline before you write a script or Mm -hmm. something um and that's different from a sketch uh done from from life right right um not, not in a better or worse way, but I think it's also really interesting artists who work maybe a little more realistically than someone like Picasso. Um, <laughs> right. Well, and I, I like, I like Picasso's artworks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like for the most part. Um, but he, he left observation behind to a certain degree mm-hmm. as far as I, I know about him. Um, but you'll see somebody's little sketch they made on location and then you'll see the, Big f- official fancy painting they right. spent years on in the studio, and yeah, the sketches often more interesting. Yeah, or more alive. Yeah, more alive. Yeah, ah, more more alive. More yeah. Real. well, that's what
2: I think. That's what I was sort of s- surprised by. Actually, was that I found myself looking at the sketches for a lot longer mm-hmm. than the paintings.
3: And this comes themselves. back to actually yeah. your, your question earlier about the the person doing the kind of matchmaker agency. Uh-huh clients don't want the sketch yeah they want the real thing uh-huh. um they want to fill the wall of their restaurant or whatever it is mm-hmm. and it's hard to do that with the sketch and that's not a, a good or bad but it's kind of a, a thing to keep in mind mm. um that said there's also no rules about how big a sketch can be or how long you can take on a sketch um even what a sketch means i think is you know if you're having a specific conversation it's worth clarifying it mm. might mean different things in different contexts um yeah so but yeah i think what you're talking about that makes that makes perfect sense to me that that sometimes the, the preparatory work is is superior to the finished work right and not in all ways not for all people but it's good they're showing it um there also have been times in
2: but i thought did, don't you think that's interesting that they made it in like this random alcove that you could barely find
3: yeah I mean without seeing it I can't offer more of an opinion than that but yes Um, you know and I wonder sometimes in exhibits of that nature the curators have a very strong point of view Mm. and whatever they have to say in their tags and books is kind of gives you an insight into what they think is important Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and we have you know there's kind of the Picasso problem I mean it's the canon problem that all fields have right right? that there's this small set of of figures uh, that somehow are more worthy of study and more worthy of reprocessing and more worthy of sort of defining the tradition than just the workaday artists. Mm. <laughs> and I understand historically it's very easy to see why that would happen. I think it is worth a certain amount of energy on our parts as as smaller time artists though to, yeah. to kind of be like we don't need that yeah we're, we're making art and it's good yeah our art does not have to be about Shakespeare it does not have to be about Picasso It does not have to be about Charlie Parker who I mentioned earlier like yeah. these are all great artists it's, it's not about um I think also the internet is, is huge in this regard um, right somebody can get huge on Instagram and actually mm-hmm. be more popular than Picasso say mm-hmm. and that's great yeah right um and academia will protect its own i mean there's a it's kind of just like a a little thug cartel there almost to <laughs> me um like i mean this could be true art, art history theater history whatever it is there does seem to be the stuff you wrote your thesis about because your professor would like it and then that's what you teach because that's the job you can get and when you right. can get published a lot of good work happens along the way but what gets shut out along the way as well um and absolutely there's people inside of Inside of museums, inside academia who are pushing yeah. against that, mm-hmm. but I think, I think we can opt out as, as people who, you know, speaking for myself, as someone who's not part of any of that, right. I can just choose to not engage, um, which doesn't mean, again, I don't enjoy going to the museum. But I don't have to respect that canon.
0: Thank you for listening to Episode 25, oh. Act 1, of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. Jason Das, find your way. Join us next time for Act Two. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. Brandon Hutchinson is the media arts coordinator. John O. Wait, Waldman wait, wrote and performed the theme the song. Tim Palin the designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry and on Instagram at Teaching Artistry with CJB. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life.
1: Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now.